0: Suncast is brought to you by SunGrow, providing clean power for all. Suncast is also brought to you by Trina Solar. Episode 74 of Suncast.
1: You don't like to sign contracts. Uh, <laughs> it's not that I don't like to sign contracts. So you're taking what I said a little bit out of context. So what? You, yeah, what? What I said was, and this is a direct quote, if I have to have a contract to do business with you, then you're probably not my right partner. Now, that's not meaning that I won't sign a contract. And I have said this many times, money doesn't know if it's a lot or a little, it doesn't matter. Money's a tool like a pencil or a hammer, right? It doesn't know. So the only reason a contract matters is if there's tons and tons and tons of money, or if there's zero. Everything in between, unless it changes your lifestyle, Deco, unless it's life-changing money, does it really matter?
0: This is Suncast. In every battle, there's a front line. On that front line are warriors whose courage and action shape the outcome of the battle. The world is currently engaged in a literal power struggle. A battle in global energy as it evolves from fossil fuels to renewable energy. Suncast is a conversation with solar warriors on the front lines, building the most noble and impactful companies of our time. We learn their secrets to personal and professional growth, market development, and industry insights. And now, join solar industry veteran, Latin America fanatic, and your host, Nico Johnson. Welcome to Episode 74 of Suncast. I'm your host, Nico Johnson, and I am stoked that you're back with me again this week. Fighting the good fight. Defending our right to transition to clean energy. Hey, this week's guest is a true pro who embodies the meaning of your network is your net worth. With a reach of over 60,000 in his LinkedIn network alone, Scott Sullivan is a master networker and salesman. And he's here to teach us a thing or three about working in an ecosystem of people you know like you. And trust. Hey, did you listen to last week's episode with Adam Gerza? Man, does that guy have a solid take on the CNI market or what? I loved that he was willing to be a contrarian in our hotter hype segment. And then I learned so much more about the topic of avoided cost. What a great product they've built over at Energy Toolbase. And I am super grateful again for Adam being on the show, just as grateful that you continue to show up. I've been traveling. Some of you already know that. These last few weeks, I've been a little slow, perhaps, to reply to email and social media, but I do get your messages and I will get back to you. I'm really thankful for your feedback on this and other episodes of the podcast. You know, there's so many good episodes buried now in the archives of Suncast, but they are always there, of course, just waiting to keep you company on your commute, your next plane ride, or if you're like me, doing the house chores at midnight. I'm also grateful for those who've reached out and recommended future guests and topics. And for those of you who especially went out of your way to come to my first ever Suncast meetup this week in San Francisco. A special shout out and thanks to my Suncast super fan out of Hayward. Dea, who motivated me to host the meetup and traveled the furthest to attend. Dea, when we do finally design that Suncast t shirt, you are sure to get one in the mail. Hey, if like Dea, you're getting value from Suncast, would you please consider sharing, rating, and reviewing the podcast over on iTunes? I was thrilled recently to finally get Suncast available on Spotify. I don't know if you stream on Spotify as much as I do. It's the world's largest streaming service. And I'm also thrilled that Suncast can now even more easily ride along with you on your long drives just like it does for my buddy Victor on his mini treks down to Central California. Well, today on Suncast, as I mentioned, I'm taking a deep dive into the power of your network with one of the most connected people in our solar industry. Scott Sullivan has built a career on leveraging the value of his connections and honing the skills of sales and relationship building. You should stick around if you're at all interested in hearing tactics for setting up your own LinkedIn all-star profile, memory tricks for networking in life, Scott's advice on building sales rapport, some really, really, and I mean really solid book recommendations, and so much more. Scott is a trusted advisor not just for me, but for many in our industry. He's a people person to the core and he's genuinely one of the best I've met at building trust as a key component to a long-term sales career and focus. As always, if there's a topic or expert that you think should be on Suncast, feel free to reach out. It's easy. Email, LinkedIn, Twitter, pop over to the website, leave me a voicemail. I love those. They're so easy right from your phone. That website's mysuncast.com and you can email me nico at mysuncast.com. This episode is brought to you in partnership with soulrates.com, the fast and free online platform that many of you are now using to give your commercial customers a credible and fast lease financing proposal. If you have projects over 100,000 and you're wondering whether or not soulrates can help your sales team be more effective in the field by getting answers to their customers quickly, Not waiting on the banks to get back to you, then head over to mysuncast.com forward slash S O L R A T E S and click on request an invitation. Truly, thanks again for setting aside this time in your day, your week, your year. Without further ado, I leave you with my dear friend, Mr. Scott Sullivan. Mr. Scott Sullivan is joining today on Suncast, and I am thrilled that we finally get the chance to sit down, sir. Thanks for being here.
1: Well, thank you, Nico. What an honor. First of all, you're doing a a fantastic job. I am such a fan. I'd love to be able to say, when you're on the air, I'm dying to call in and say... You know, first-time caller, long-time listener. <laughs> <laughs> that, unfortunately, is the, is, it's the, it's the weakness
0: of podcasting. Yeah, exactly. There's, there's a lot of podcasts that are live, but Suncast yet is not. Well, Scott, for those who may not be somehow already wrapped in the web that is Scott Sullivan, could you tell me a bit about who you are? And I don't mean the deep backstory that takes you all the way across the world and spreading the message of championing everyone the way you do. I mean, how did you wind up in the clean energy industry? Why solar? What is it about the industry that attracts you? And I'm sure there's something along the pathway that would give us insight into what informs the way that you operate in this industry. But in the general, I know you know the, the way I tend to craft the origin story piece of beginning the show. I'd like to give listeners an understanding a bit into who you are and what you bring to the solar industry and why you chose this industry of the many that you could have potentially gone into.
1: I started off right out of college. I was the guy that knew very, very early on what he wanted to do in life and what he wanted to do for a living. I knew sales and marketing was a strength of mine. I wasn't going to be an engineer. I probably wasn't going to be a doctor. Those, you know, those types of things. I knew that the relationships that I had built and being in the social world for me were very important. I migrated immediately towards the sales and marketing side, but hadn't chosen an industry yet. When I was in college, and as all of us, the last few years of school, they always come out and they do the job fairs, and the local companies come in, and they say, who do you want to work for, and all those kind of things. I found myself working in the public utility sector, meaning long distance, telephone, working in natural gas, electricity, that sort of, all of a sudden, I just, I had this affinity towards the fact that that was a sector of the market that I I really was drawn to. And I don't know why, but now here we are, a blink of an eye 30 years later, and I've been, in, I've been a one-trick pony. I only do energy. So I started mm-hmm. off uh, working in energy, natural gas uh, procurement. I put in my due diligence, and I spent a lot of time in the fossil fuel steam business. And like most people in their career, they follow mentors, and they follow people they respect. And one of the gentlemen that I knew very well had opened a thin film company in all places, uh, Auburn Hills, Michigan. Wow. Yeah. A guy by the name of Stan Oshinsky, mm-hmm. who started a company called Unisolar. Hmm. And Stan called and said, We need a West Coast guy that really knows how to sell. And we've got a really unique product that doesn't look like everything else. Wow. So I flew out to Michigan and I met with Stan and the team. I immediately knew that's where I wanted to be. So I, I, I say I'm paying my penance mm. for all the fossil fuel steam that I, I worked on. And then since the late 90s, that's what I've been doing. I've been in renewable ever since. Started in thin film and I've held just about every position you can imagine in the renewable energy space. I've worked in power electronics. I've worked in the software and the monitoring side. Uh, I've worked in O&M and maintenance. So panel manufacturing, it's been a great, great career. Raised three kids, had a really good life. So for me, it's been a tremendous direction and I wouldn't, I wouldn't change it for the world. One of the
0: things, as I mentioned, I was just hanging out with Daniel Marino here in Oakland and he said that you are both the king of connection and the biggest enigma in our industry. And I want to talk about <laughs> this notion of enigma as a superpower right? Because he actually, and I won't go into detail, but he actually suggested that being an enigma is a powerful positive for you and, and for me as well. How do you embrace the idea that in the industry, not a lot of folks, even though you're known by so many people, folks often ask you, what is it exactly that you do?
1: You know, I don't want to be secretive or anything else. It really is a factor of, I want to be a resource. And, and you're going to ask me later on, and we're going to talk a little bit about, you know, what, has been driving me as a human being and all those great questions that you ask at <laughs> Suncast. But what I really like, and I, it's a mantra that I learned at a very, very early age, people really don't, you know, when they, they pass you in the hallway and they say, how are you today? They're being just courteous. right? I'm not saying they don't care. They're just It's just a courtesy. <laughs> but what they really want to know is, what can you do for me? So I live my life under the mantra of, and you'll see it in my LinkedIn, you'll see it in my emails, You'll see it on my signature. You'll see it as a, a as a way I live my life in this. How can I be a resource for Nico today? What can I do? You need a contact or a connection, and mm. I have that person? I'll pass it on to you. And the reason I'll do that is because if I can be a resource for you, then we can continue that relationship for a long time, right? And then when I need something, it won't be, I hate to use the word that you're indebted. I call it putting a deposit in the karma bank. Yeah, that's right. We put a deposit in the Karma Bank, and then when you need a withdrawal, there's plenty of funds in there.
0: And you spend, as so many do who do what you do well, you spend an overwhelming amount of time depositing into the Karma Bank and an underwhelming amount of time in taking debits from it. For those who follow social media mavens and the like, Gary Vaynerchuk uh, wrote a book about this, right? It's Jab, 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 Right Hook. (laughs) And it's the idea that you should be giving three times more than you're asking. And I think that's something that you do extremely well. What would you say to the executive who says, you know, I don't understand why Scott wants or needs or accepts having 30,000 connections on LinkedIn?
1: Well, first I want to correct you that LinkedIn maximized me 30,000 connections. I don't know if you guys know this or not, but LinkedIn will not allow you to go to 30,001 connections, which means on your first level. However, you can follow someone without being connected to them. So I'm now somewhere over 60,000 followers, but I only have 30,000 connections because I'm maxed. Now, I don't want to get up on my soapbox and start yelling at, at uh, Jeff and all the the, C, the new CEOs and the new guard that Microsoft, now that they bought LinkedIn, I don't want to I don't want to use this as a platform to bash on them. But I don't understand why they arbitrarily just put a limit on who you can connect with and follow. Yeah. I, I, can't, then I don't have that on any other social media platform. I don't have that on, you know, Twitters or, or Facebooks or Instagrams or any of those other things. So it's, it's crazy. It's, it's like saying, well, you don't really need to know that many people, do you? Hmm. <laughs> so I don't know. But why do I need 30,000 connections? I'm going to tell you a very brief story. I'm going to try and keep it very succinct. But this is a story that I think illustrates very clearly about how I live my life. I get on a plane, as a lot of us do, and you sit down and the person next to you decides they are a little chatting today. Fine. I, I love learning about somebody new. So I ask what they do and what their name is and they just start talking. Well, I happened to be sitting next to a gentleman who is one of the largest manufacturers of a recumbent bike. For those of you that don't know, which was me prior to this conversation, I had no idea what a recumbent bike was. It's that one that you lay back and you pedal with your feet forward and you lay back as in a recumbent position, which makes perfect sense after he explained it. I listened to this gentleman for two and a half hours tell me all about recumbent biking and how big it was getting and how wow. all of these things. And I was genuinely, and I, and I mean this from the bottom of my heart, I was genuinely interested. I asked lots of inquisitive questions, and he told me all about it. We exchanged business cards. And, you know, as you do on a plane, great. You know, I'll send you a LinkedIn. Okay, you know, I'll send you an email. We'll stay connected. You never know when we might be able to help each other. Now, I'm not in the biking industry. And if most of you know me, I'm not a recumbent biker. I don't spend much time on anybody <laughs> unless it has a very large Harley-Davidson engine in it. So it was just a great conversation and he was just a true human being that really I connected with very well. So flash ahead to another flight a few weeks later and I sit down and the same kind of conversation starts and I say, "Well, what do you do?" and he says, "Well, I am a" and then he filled in the blank, "I'm the largest bicycle distributor in New York City." And I said, Wow, that's really weird. I said I just met the CEO of a recumbent bike manufacturing company out of Colorado, and he called the man by name. I don't have his permission to use his name, but he called him by name, and I said, "Yeah, that's him." He said, "I love his product. I can't get his product in my store because one of his competitors is down the street is doing such a fantastic job." I said, "Well, you know, I'll facilitate an email, and I'll just write him for you." So we had this long conversation. I sent the email. And I get this letter in the mail a few months later and it has a Starbucks gift card in it. And it's from the bicycle distributor who said, Uh we now have this bike in our store. And he took a picture and sent it to me on LinkedIn. And and it had absolutely, I had no desire and I had no intent of ever inserting myself into that revenue stream or anything else. If you can live your life like that, then I tell you what, it's a joyous place.
0: And so what I hear you saying as well is that LinkedIn is kind of that on steroids, right? It's the opportunity to create value at
1: scale. Who knows when that CEO might look back on that conversation and say, you know, this guy doesn't know anything about biking, but he's a great sales guy. I really need a sales leader on the West Coast. I should probably call Scott. I'm wow. Well, thank you. I'm flattered. So that was exactly kind of that story kind of sums up how I like to live my life. Just be a a resource to somebody, make the connection. And expect nothing for it, and you never know what could happen. Well, Scott,
0: you seem to have an opinion on many things, (laughs) and so I'm going to go right into our hot or hype section. You're a listener, so I know you know how this works, but for those who aren't familiar, I name a specific market or topic, and you spend 30 or 60 seconds on whether or not you think it's hot or all hype. We'll start with a passion of yours and mine, and that is the
1: Latin America market. Hot or hype? I think it's hot. I think that uh, we are seeing the Latin America market actually starting to gain some traction. I think what's happening is is that the cost, there's only one utility in Mexico, as you know, It's uh, most of the countries are, are solo utilities. So they're kind of living under that kind of regime that kind of controls everything. So I think that for the first time ever, we're starting to see some changes in the regulatory environment. So I think it's hot. Very cool. So do I. Yeah.
0: Okay. Excellent. I'm glad we agree. Next. <laughs> I hope we find something we disagree on sometime soon. DG energy storage. So distributed generation oh, energy storage. You just
1: really want me to make enemies, don't you? Hot or hype? Oh, I think aspects of it are hot. And this is where I'm going to get really a lot of people mad because I think there's some of it. It's still hype. I mean, I've had solar in my house for a long, long time, Nico, as you know, I've been a solar advocate for 20 plus years and I've had solar. I don't need storage at my house. <laughs> it doesn't make financial to the man resilience uh, oh gosh oh, unless you're gonna go off the grid why do i need it right now i think our
0: independence a- scum
1: oh, no but nico you're killing me you know right now karen butterfield's so mad at me <laughs> so so there's a lot of people in the storage business right now that are i'll saying, have her come on and defend her position yes exactly there's a lot of hype in that so i don't need a tesla wall no offense to tesla love them I don't need a Tesla wall yet. I don't need a Duracell battery out in my garage yet because it doesn't have a financial viability. Now, if I had a regulatory environment that offered me a chance to maximize the amount of energy and be able to store it and then save money either on demand charges for, like for commercial rates or not, if I didn't have a NEM where I could put it back onto the grid, then yeah, I'd say it's absolutely 100% hot.
0: Mm.
1: Wow. Thank you. <laughs> Move, moving right along, yes,
0: we get all of these could be an entire. episode. Oh yes,
1: yeah. so we're going to get so. I'm going to get so many tweets on that one. You're going to kill me, man. They're going to they're going to rake me over the coals. Moving
0: along, hotter hype: the nexus of renewables and the automobile industry.
1: Ah, here we go again. Who killed the electric vehicle? So I think that first of all, I think EVs are hot. Yep. You absolutely have to have an EV. The thing that that I'm worried about is the fact is that if I take my EV home and I plug it into my house and I'm charging it through a fossil fuel steam generation, like here in California or somewhere else, then you're defeating the purpose. You're totally defeating the purpose of having an EV because I'm burning more natural gas or coal or something else to charge it. So right. the way it, the only way it's going to be hot is give me the financial incentive to have an EV, to have solar on my house, to charge it. That's where, going back to the old question, that's where a little bit of storage might be hot.
0: Hmm. Very insightful. Hot or hype? Microgrids as the future of the distribution network.
1: Total hot. I am a hundred percent sold on microgrids and community solar. Mm. I'm just—I'm not, not even going to go into anymore. Very I'm just cool. going to tell you total hot.
0: I love it. All right, good. We'll move on to my final one for hot or hype: the blockchain in the solar industry. Total hype.
1: I'm not even going to go. I'm sorry, I just pissed off a whole bunch of other people. But no, total hype. I think until the blockchain buying into the next solar ICO. I am, but it's just. Uh, I think it's total right now. It's total hype because it's until it becomes mainstream, and I can walk into the coffee shop and use any kind of cryptocurrency to buy my coffee with. It's complete hype. Very cool. Except I did not say cryptocurrency. Well, okay, say it again. Uh, okay, so correct me. What did I, you? I appreciate it because
0: I'm trying to be very specific about okay, the language that I use again on cast. My question is around the blockchain. Oh, blockchain.
1: Okay, so it's not the cryptocurrency; it's <laughs> the the accounting behind <laughs> to, the cryptocurrency. Be to be fair, okay, I, I, I did still say think ICO. It's hype. <laughs> I still, I, I did, I still say it's hype.
0: So. Very interesting. Yeah. Yes. yeah. Okay. So. If you are curious about a few other answers around blockchain, I ask it on all the hotter (laughs) hypes now, and because I do think it's a great one to get a hype or a hot answer. Etienne LeCompte has a wonderful answer in his episode back uh, uh, 70-ish, 60-ish, let's see, it's 65. And I think it's a wonderful insight into how blockchain can be used to revolutionize the way that the registry is done of renewables assets. However, I do agree with you that unfortunately right now, blockchain as a technology is sullied by the current boom, if you will, of cryptocurrency. And I don't think any like solar coin or any of this stuff right now is anything but hype, unfortunately. And I know that's going to draw criticism, but this is a fun segment and I always love to play this game. So another game that I know you like to play, well, many of us played it as kids, the game of memory, right? And you haven't, uncanny ability, and I, which leads me to believe it's more than an ability. It's not an innate skill. It's something that you, perhaps you've trained for. And I asked you earlier, and you said perhaps you'd tell me later. I don't know if this is something like becoming a mason, if I to ask one, no one, <laughs> no. but I'd love to know from the king of connection, memory tricks for networking and life. What insights can you share?
1: We all have mentors. So very early in my career, I was taught by a very wise old sage, It said, if you can remember people's names and a little bit about them, you will endear yourself to them for life. So I have made it a study of trying to remember and recall uh, pieces of information. Now, I'm going to tell you in the early days, it's it's a lot more difficult than it sounds, but I'm going to tell you that there are tips and tricks out there. There are devices, mnemonic devices. There are all kinds of things that you can do. I use what's called the tag or the hook method. And this is going to sound very unflattering, and uh, all of your listeners. I want you to know that I don't share this with people because I'm not going to. I take your visualization of your face, and then I put it in with your name, and then I find something about your face that I can link directly to the person's name. So, mm-hmm. if and again, I'm not. This is not. I don't want to offend. Yeah. But if I were trying to remember Nico Johnson, I could say, "Well, Nico, Nico's nose, Nico's, you know, whatever it is that I have," and then I exaggerate the crap out of it because we are, as human beings, visual learners. Yeah. So I then put that into a caricature Uh that I have that will remind me of what your name is.
0: This is similar to the memory palace idea in that you are creating a new visual image in your mind of of of, of a character of a a piece, what do you call it? A, a a facial element of mine. It might be nose. It
1: could be nose, it could be ears, it could so be So for you it
0: could be Nico knows everything about Latin America. And, and then my
1: nose grows. And it could look like this country of Mexico.
0: Okay. Wow. Oh, right. that's a very good visual. Okay. So then
1: I, I then smokes. when I see you, my brain triggers that. Now that trick doesn't work though when you have like for instance I asked you what your wife's name was. So I mm. know that Betsy is your wife and that you have three sons and I know yep. their ages. Those are just things that you have to train your brain to actually do. And then what I recommend is you have a CRM of some kind, a customer relationship management piece of software, yeah. even as even your phone, that as soon as you get a free moment, jot them down. And that way if I forget by the next time I see you, I can refer back to my notes and I can say, mm. you know, hey, Nico, how's your wife Betsy? Or yeah. if I see on Facebook or on our one of our social medias that Betsy, you know, sprained her ankle or something like that, I can make a note into my CRM, and then when I call you up, I can say, hey, Nico, how does Betsy's ankle? Now, think about how powerful that is. That's really powerful. Because I actually care enough to actually take the time and the effort Mm. to have that memory and to put that piece of information into my phone and then actually call it up and then call you. Yeah. What CRM do you use? I currently use Zoho. Really? Right. I am a... Just so everyone knows, I'm a certified Salesforce administrator. I have taken the class. I have implemented Salesforce on many occasions with many companies. But for my personal business, I can't justify the $150 a month type of seat that I need. And it's a very powerful, very robust piece of software. So I have decided to downgrade to Zoho, which is only $400 per year, one time. And I can do everything I need to do, including, you know, mass mailings and uh, social media and everything else.
0: I get it. And that's not a plug for Zoho. I know, I get it. And (laughs) and I use Zoho for one of our businesses as well. Why Zoho and not HubSpot or Insightly? So first of all, Insightly, I have used Insightly
1: with a couple of clients. It's just not robust enough for me. If most companies won't invest, they use the free version Mm -hmm. or they use the $99 version. And then what you end up having is you just, it, it just isn't robust enough to handle The volume, right? I have, uh, just in my phone that I have here with me, I have 11,000 contacts. Yeah. So it's not robust enough to handle what I'm doing. Yeah. The other one that you mentioned, HubSpot. Fantastic. I mean, I've got to tell you, I'm not to that point where you say, this is the only CRM. Yeah. I love HubSpot, and I think it would be great, but I'm two years into Zoho. so, So migration of data from one platform to another, as you know, Yeah. Is a pain. Well, I can tell you one
0: of the things we recently learned. uh, We just migrated back to Zoho from HubSpot. From HubSpot, at my insistence, we went to HubSpot. And one of my clients recently said, uh, "We're going to go back to Zoho, and here's why." And it had everything to do with the powerful nature, dollar per dollar per user of well per user, but also of the API integrations, the ability absolutely, and in particular for a software company. If you are you know pre-revenue or pre-scale for a software company, and you're looking for a powerful CRM, this is again, no plug for Zoho, we, we make no money. Uh, Zoho for virtually free will allow you to do yes. what, what HubSpot will charge you about $5,000 a year to right. do. So uh, it, it's, it's a remarkable. And the CEO of one of my clients just is, uh, he's a polymath and he knows about all kinds of things across all many oh. different uh, endeavors. And
1: I was surprised. We but use, I want to go back to what you said before yeah. you get off the subject. And that is, I'm not plugging Zoho or HubSpot or anything else. We could have a whole tactical Tuesday and talk about you know CRMs. I think we should. <laughs> but the one thing I will tell you is, is that you can't live without one. No. So so it became back comes back to that profile picture on your LinkedIn. It's either you have one or you don't. And if you don't have one, you're already at a disadvantage. Right. So whether you use Insightly, so please, you know, CEO of Insightly that's listening right now, please don't take the you know any offense. By the way, I'm honored Uh, that you're listening. Yes, (laughs) we're honored that you're listening. So the bottom line comes down to is have one first, right? Once you have one and you have some experience with it, then make some educated decisions. If you don't have one, you don't have a dog in the fight. And I said it better myself. Scott, what among the many, what's one position that you hold that is controversial? I tend to lead my life towards the light. Mm-hmm. So I don't lean, I don't look back a lot in the uh, the controversial space. I'm going to tell you is that I have been on the board of directors of some big companies, but I have had some epic failure. I have worked with people that are that I know, like, and trust, and I would take a bullet for them. And then there are some cases where the you have to make a decision as to what are your ethics worth. So I would say one of the positions that I hold that has been controversial, that's not currently, but has been in the past, is to to work for a, let's just say, a foreign national company mm-hmm. that is not as ethical as I would like for it to be. So I have divested myself of that. Yeah. It's one of those things where, what price can you put on your own integrity? What price mm. can you put on your own? How you feel about yourself and when you look in the mirror. So, you know, is that price a million dollars a year? Is that price $25,000 a year? What is it? So yeah. you have to Get up in the morning and decide, you know, do I need a new Tesla or can I still drive my Hyundai and, and look myself in the mirror? You know, right. that kind of thing.
0: Well, I've got one, actually, that you shared with me recently that that occurs to me as controversial. You don't like to sign contracts. Uh,
1: <laughs> it's not that I don't like to sign contracts. So you're taking what I said a little bit out of context. So what? You, yeah, what? What I said was, and this is a direct quote, if I have to have a contract to do business with you, then you're probably not my right partner. Now, that's not meaning that I won't sign a contract. And I have said this many times, that money only money doesn't know if it's a lot or a little. doesn't matter. Money's a tool like a pencil or a hammer, right? It doesn't know. So the only reason a contract matters is if there's tons and tons and tons of money or if there's zero. Everything in between, unless it changes your lifestyle, Dico. unless it's life-changing money, does it really matter? I think
0: you're absolutely right. I just wanted to, for the record, state that that is a controversial position that you hold.
1: <laughs> okay. Well, I will gladly sign a contract. So if there's a client out there right now that wants to hire Scott Sullivan and Associates to do their outsource salesing, just send me over a contract and I'll gladly sign it. <laughs> <laughs> Very good. Well, let's move
0: into the segment I call Lessons Learned. What were some key lessons or takeaways from your most important mentors in your
1: life? You have two ears and only one mouth use it accordingly. Mm-hmm. Listen twice as much as you talk. Mm. You mentioned failures. Can you point to a failure that affected or influenced your career? I can. I was involved in a product years and years ago. I will not name them because it, being in the industry, you will all know who they are. Uh, they had a systemic failure of their product when it, was, uh, when it first came to market. And I sold a very large amount of them and they all caught fire. and. The company decided, in its lack of wisdom, that it was it's one of those you know some large number aggregator somewhere in an office said, "You know we're just it's easier to go bankrupt than to try and fix the problem." So they left a lot of people dangling, and I ended up considering that a failure because I put my reputation on the line as a salesperson and and was told that the company would stand behind them, and then we ended up not, and I took a lot of heat for that, but it I will tell you at the end of the day. I made sure that every single client was called. I am very oh. proud of the fact is that I don't hide behind voicemail or email. Mm, it takes a lot of integrity. It. I hit it head on. I pick up the phone and I'll call you. If I got a problem with you, I'll come to you. I won't go to your neighbor.
0: Well, that's one of the things that does separate you. And you are, uh, like you know, like my partner Jim, my business partner, uh, and and several others that I consider to be titans in the sales aspect of this industry, you have an uncanny ability to, as you said, to give more than you take and to remember people and to reach out on a regular basis, which as a salesperson separates you, it sets you apart in the person's mind. And And recency bias is real, right? If people, if they haven't heard from you in two years, they won't give you the right credence. And if in a rough patch, you tucked your tail and hid behind email, they remember that
1: as well. Well, I love what you said too, is that if you haven't reached out in two years and the only time you do reach out, you want something, that also is leaves a bad taste in them.
0: That's right. Well, Scott, moving from failure to continue along the path of influence and success, you have many irons in the fire. Among them, I'm sure you'd like to give us a glimpse of what the future holds for you. What has you excited about the industry or about your personal growth right now?
1: What's next? A couple of big things going on right now. Thanks for the opportunity. The first and foremost is that I'm extremely passionate about, at this point in my career, now, I'm at that That point where, let's just say I'm more mature, I'm trying to be politically correct, I have a little gray hair. At my level of maturity and my experience, I'd like to give back. So what I'm looking for now is, what's the platform that I can use to actually mentor other folks to give back some of the the things that I have learned over the years? And I started a consulting company called Scott Sullivan & Associates, just a super simple name. And basically what it does is it helps small to medium-sized companies grow organically through increased revenue for lack of a better term we call it outsource sales and marketing let me walk you kind of walk you through so a solo entrepreneur comes up he or she has a product or service and they start going out there and they start selling something and all of a sudden they're having some success and they hire somebody to run the warehouse and then they hire somebody to do their bookkeeping now all of a sudden let's say you've gone from zero to pick a number 10 million in sales you're at that 20 percent margin you've got a single digit operating net income the company is kind of up and running, but now you have a big, huge pivot. You've got a, a big tipping point or a chasm you have to cross just to quote all the books. <laughs> so you have to now either hire a full-time salesperson or you have to hire a full-time operations person and you take the sales role. Now, those are huge, gigantic decisions you have to make because let's say you have only made $250,000 worth of actual margin last year. Are you going to spend all of that on a salesperson, put all of your eggs in one basket? Hire somebody, have six months worth of training and ramp up, have them fail, and then you've just blown a, half of your money. Hmm. So what I decided to do is I said, look, for a small monthly retainer, hire some of the best, most seasoned, super smart guys in the industry that all work for me. They don't, they aren't me, obviously. Uh, so, <laughs> they, uh, And we'll put you a salesperson and we'll leverage our networks to bring you increased sales and marketing or increased revenues. But we'll do it through our experience. Now, think about it. Now, I'm not asking for a quarter of a million dollars. I'm actually going to get paid after you re- actually get the resources and, and bring the revenue in and after you recognize that revenue. So, a small monthly fee. So, let's say you can't probably hire a customer or a, a quality salesperson for, say, less than 12 or 15 grand a month. Then, on top of that, You've got to pay their benefits. Mm-hmm. If they're in the state of California, you've got to pay their travel expense. You've got to give them a commission. By the time you're all in, you're at a you know $300,000 for the first year, maybe. And I'm just using these as, as round numbers. So what if I could give you a six really strong salespeople with their own support mechanism, with their own CRM, with all these other things for a small fraction of that, a few thousand dollars a month, plus a commission on the backside after you recognize the revenue and... If I get you from 10 million to 20 million, that gives you another quarter of a million dollars. We'll help you hire our own replacement. We'll help you hire your VP of sales. We'll help you hire your COO and put them into a position where now all of a sudden, we can help you sustain that growth. And then maybe once a quarter, we come in and give you a tune-up, mm. right? So that model is working extremely well because now I have a plethora of small to medium-sized companies that are all in that same exact boat. Plus, mm. on top of that, I'm also doing some professional and personal coaching. I'm coaching some CEOs through transition of you know father to son, wow. second generation. Yeah, They're having a hard time letting go of the company. Mm. I'm also coaching some CEOs that have built a company and all of a sudden they're looking at taking VC money and all of a sudden they're, they've are they spent more time with this business than they have their children. Yeah. So there's a deep emotional connection there in most cases. Mm-hmm. So they need that coaching. So I'm helping those CEOs get through. Some fantastic men and women that I'm working with on that. And then finally, the last thing that Scott almost associates just invested in. We're going to do an internet radio company. An internet radio company. <laughs> yeah. Where did that come from? You yeah, know, well, we talk about those deposits and withdrawals in the uh, karma bank, I'm sitting in an airport and bump into a young man and he tells me all about what he does. And I said, well, you know, he says, I, I own five internet radio stations. And one of them is paying all the bills and doing really, really well. And the other ones are kind of in different levels of disrepair. And we get talking and one thing leads to another. I said, that sounds like a great opportunity to help people. So we've started an internet radio company called Global News Forum. It's a 24-hour a day, seven days a week talk radio. Uh-huh. No music or just maybe music for the intros and outros. It's going to be all about a positive message. So our mission statement is positive programming that is going to be educational, informative, inspirational, and motivational. Hmm. So we're going to take People like you, me, a lot of us that want to give back and we're going to give an opportunity and a platform for them to reach hundreds of thousands of people around the world, plus put all of their shows just like a podcast onto a server so that we can download in future places. So. I'm going to do my own radio show called Mind Your Own Business. It's going to be fun. And I'm going to work on a couple of shows with some partners of mine. One a guy by the name of Mike Walpert, fantastic guy, 30 years in marketing. Mm-hmm. And we do a show called Just One More Thing. Just, yeah. just one more thing. Just one more thing. So then we've got some great people involved. I'm hoping to get you on that platform. I'd love to see <laughs> Suncast be broadcast on the Global News Forum at some time in the near future. So yeah, that's the next big thing for Scott Sullivan and his team.
0: That is amazing. And you know what I love about how Scott has done so many interesting things, speaking of polymath, that he didn't even mention it in his origin story. You know a thing or three about radio, as I understand it. In the lead up, he was checking out my Zoom handy recorder, an H6n, for those of you who are audio geeks out there, and asking questions that led me to believe he
1: knows a little more than he was leading on. What's your background with radio? Well, uh, so when I was in college, I was studying communication and marketing and <laughs> So I spend a few hours behind a board. Back when we had potentiometers, we didn't. It was an analog board. It wasn't a digital board. Mm. And there were a lot of uh, turntables and a lot of vinyl. And I then also worked for a radio station who's still in business today, ninety-five XIL, the powerhouse from Parkersburg, West Virginia. This is Radio Boys. <laughs> Sorry. And then I also worked at a uh, adult contemporary station, ninety-nine uh, point three W8XT, also still in business. And then the last one which i got out of the radio business when i finally realized that i wasn't going to be able to make my first million dollars in radio because the markets i in were in are all way too small which was 104.1 WPAY out of Portsmouth, Ohio, and it was all country. And that's where I found my love for country music, and I've wow. been stuck there ever since. So, yeah, I can remember the days when I would lead in and say, well, the farm report just in, and pork bellies are up by two cents. <laughs> so, yeah. <laughs> oh, man. So, those days are, are far over... Long gone, but not forgotten. And I've always enjoyed that aspect.
0: Well, it's one of the things I think that makes you a more interesting person. And it certainly informs this uh, wonderful radio voice that we have heard. <laughs> you can find more at what? Globalnewsforum.com?
1: Yes, of course. Globalnewsforum.com is the actual website. And Power you can, of naming. I actually guessed that. And you can actually <laughs> click on there to listen live, or you can go to the personality page, mm-hmm. click on Scott Sullivan, and and pull down one of my old shows. and. We'll obviously have the link to this Suncast broadcast, and I hope to have, and that I'm, I'm speaking this into existence right now, guys, everybody, I'm hoping to have a uh, Suncast day. So we're going to have uh, Nico, we're going to get Nico into a lot of live uh, shows too. We're going to get, Very we're cool. going to expand. So let's, cool. let's go take over Latin America, brother.
0: That sounds fun. That sounds fun. Global News Forum, you heard it here first on Suncast. All right, so let's move into the final segment we call Learning, Leadership, and Legacy. Scott, I know that legacy is a, a big part of your inevitable future because you have influenced so many different lives. But in fact, many other lives have influenced yours. They currently exist in the dead hands of trees that have sacrificed themselves to become books. I think that books are one of the best teachers in our world and think that leaders are readers and readers are leaders. And, 100%. Yeah. And so I'd love to hear if you could go back in time and give yourself as a recent college grad a book or a set of books to give you a leg up, what would
1: they be? Well, one that I I can't live without. There's a guy by the name of Jeffrey Gitmer out of North Carolina. One of your heroes too. Yeah, I know you know Charlotte. Jeffrey. Yes. Oh, yeah. I've known Jeffrey. I actually met him very, very early in my career. He's been around for a long, long time. He's a sales god. He is a sales god. And he made a book that I gift to hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of people. Is his little red book of selling. Now, I, this is not a plug for Jeffrey Gitmer. I'm going to tell you, I am a huge fan And I believe that his series of books on selling, the Selling Bible, and all the other ones that I'm not going to mention here, he's got enough money. But Jeffrey Gitmer and the Little Red Book of Selling would be the one that I would give to everybody. But now that's a little bit more of a whimsical feel, right? So it's practical tips and tricks, and it's good. But if you want to get a little bit more on the serious side, I would give Jim Collins is good to great. That's a great example. So Jim Collins, and my he's my mantra. I use that good to great on almost everything. I say to people, if you want zero to one, I'm probably not your guy. Another book? Yeah. <laughs> I'm probably not your guy. But if you want good to great, I'm probably your guy. Wow. Right? So I use that Jim Collins and... Another one I like a lot is Never Eat Alone, which is a great oh, networking. A book. It's a great book. And it's, a, you know, it's one of those that, you know, and then the there's a very obscure one that you probably ever listened to years ago that said, uh, I can fix anything with duct tape. One of those that just talks about how to rely on yourself, right? How to rely on yourself for the things that you need. Be prepared. I'm also an Eagle Scout and all that scouting gave back to me a lot in my life. So be prepared, do the preparation, put in the work. And that's all Gitmer. I mean, that's everything I just said is Gitmer. I mean, you know, kick your own butt. So
0: I can't find that. I can fix anything with duct tape, but I'm going to look for it. It's probably out of print. (laughs) Yeah, that's amazing. I can find another one. I found one that said, I think I can find anything where's the duct tape, but we'll look for it. And I'll link to it as I always do with these book recommendations in the show notes. The other one that you are the first to recommend it, and it doesn't surprise me at all. I recommend this book a lot. Never eat Alone by Keith Ferrazzi. Oh Keith gosh, is a, he's great. Keith is probably like, I mean, talk about Connection King. Connection, he, he is he my is hero. He's if my you hero. are looking for one book that will help you become a better
1: networker, read that book. I agree. Yes. And, and get it on audio and keep it on your phone. Absolutely, yeah. It's, uh, it's and one of And he's
0: the first one to introduce me to having a personal CRM. I mean, Keith, his whole business is it's, about helping people build. a. He actually has a software is. company that
1: yes. focuses on it. I have actually been to a couple of his seminars over the years I actually haven't, I don't have a personal relationship with him, but I I have met, and I love Simon Sinek stuff. So oh, I'll, start with why. I mean, yeah, start of course. with why, uh-huh. and then, you know, why is the beginning, and mm-hmm. then, you know, Simon is just one of those guys that you just, all of them. I mean, we could sit here and talk about books for another hour. I could, for sure. Yeah, because <laughs> I agree with that leaders are readers. With the technology we have today, if you don't have a hundred books in your audibles, Yeah. Shame on you.
0: You know, I was listening to Ryan Holiday on a podcast, and he said, there's no explanation for with the cost of a book these days and with the ability to put it into your Kindle, that if you have a notion to buy a book, you don't just buy it. Yeah. He said, I don't understand people like that. Why don't you just buy it? If you think about it, buy it. If nothing else, for me, I have like you, a backlog of more than a hundred books. It incentivizes me to become a faster reader.
1: Well, there's also, and I'm not, again, not a plug for them, but there's a cliff notes of books too, that you can also, mm-hmm. that you can subscribe to. And it's not actually called cliff notes and I'm, I'm drawing a blank, but it basically goes through and gives you a brief synopsis of the book and gives you the salient points, and then you can also gives you a link to go ahead and buy it. With the technology we have today, if you're listening to the radio when you're, you're Blinkist, right? Pardon me, Blinkist, Blinkist. Oh yeah. yes, right, right. Yeah. Well, I mean, and we can just sit here and go through them all. I mean, crossing the chasm, the tipping point. <laughs> you know, just yeah, the course. books that are changing business today as we know it. And then you can get really obscure and get really into the deep dive, and it's like. Understanding human memory, understanding why we learn the way we do, understanding the strategic selling, all of the different things that have to do very specific what you're trying to do. I'll plug one in here
0: too, since you said strategic selling. I recently tipped a friend of mine off to the Miller Hyman uh, core, core reading yes. of large account management, the yep. LAMP process. If you're, you're trying, if you're gold working, sheets,
1: gold sheets. Yep. <laughs> if you're
0: working for any of the solar manufacturers in the industry and you haven't read Hyman Miller's, large account management process, you are missing a core fundamental piece of your selling strategy. I'll just put that in there now as a nugget you should take away from this. All right. Moving to our penultimate question, what habit or consistent practice has had the greatest impact on your life?
1: In the most recent days, in the last few years, and for those that were, since this is not visual, I'm holding up my phone, right? Mm -hmm. The most important thing that I can tell you is right now is that you turn your phone off or put it in another room when you go to bed at night. I'm going to tell you is that I charge my phone in my office and I sleep in another room, simply because if we become so screen addicted that we're worried about whether or not I got an email at two Mm. in the morning, everything suffers. Your family suffers, your health suffers, your sleep. You don't have to turn your phone off, you just have to turn it face down and put it on a charger and put it on vibrate in another room. So I'm gonna say that would be my greatest gift to anybody because Mm -hmm. I know too many, and I'm not picking on the millennials, but I know too many people that sleep with their phone, have it next to them at Mm. all times, it vibrates. We call that being afraid of the fear, the the fear of loss, the yeah, fear the phone of phone. oh something's happening that yeah. I that I don't know about.
0: You know, I would dare say though, I would dare say that millennials have got this piece figured out. I, I so. think I think that it's the forty and fifty something generation that didn't grow up with phones that get most addicted, and that's because frankly, millennials aren't workaholics, with the exception of the grinded out yeah, Vayner Chuck Vayner like Vayner Nation. <laughs> yeah, they're like millennials aren't workaholics. And they know how to turn it off. And they know the balance. With your generation and mine, we are workaholics. Like, we get addicted to the next email. We get addicted to the
1: next opportunity popping in. The ding of the phone. Yeah. Now, the next thing from that, I'm going to also tell you is, from a more practical standpoint, is what you, you know, most people look at that and they go, oh, that was a cop-out, Scott. That's a horrible answer. (laughs) Um, The real answer that I would tell people is, is if you want to know a habit or something that's going to make a major impact in your life, and that is prioritize the hours that you have with a client. I tell people all the time, if I get your expense report, if you work for me and I get your expense report on Tuesday at a 10 o'clock in the morning, we're going to have a talk Mm -hmm. because that's prime selling time. You should be talking to a client. You should be on the phone. You should be taking somebody to lunch. You should be forwarding that relationship with a client, not sitting in an Excel spreadsheet, doing your expense report Mm -hmm. and emailing me at 10 o'clock. That can be done at six o'clock on a Friday night, right? So one thing I will tell everybody, and I'll give the one number one piece of advice that I was told young, and that is, You have selling time and make sure you know exactly what that is. Is it eight to six? Is it nine to five? Is it 10 till 12? What is it? When can you actually talk to your clients and make sure that that is prime time reserved for talking to revenue generation clients? All
0: right, I'm going to drill down on that. Is this based on your personal makeup and the way you work? Or is this based on the way
1: your industry and client roster work? Oh, no, it's usually dictated by the industry, right? Because I'll give you an example. Bars, let's talk about bars. If I were selling into a bar atmosphere, if you go knock on the door at eight o'clock in the morning on the front door, there's nobody there and Mm -hmm. there's nobody answering the door. If it's a bar and a restaurant, they're doing prep, and they open for lunch, let's say at 1130. If you show up at 11 o'clock, they don't want to talk to you because yeah. they're slammed. They got right. people waiting and all that. They're a prime selling time. If I'm walking into a restaurant to sell them something, if I'm, I want to make sure that I'm there at eight o'clock in the morning in the back door, because they take deliveries in the back door, right. not the front door. And I'm going to come in and I'm going to ask the chef, the executive chef, if he's also the general manager or where the general manager is. And the other thing is you don't want to come during lunchtime. You don't want to come during dinner time. So maybe the prime selling time for the tour is between 2.30 in the afternoon and 4 o'clock. So you've sold inverters a couple of times. <laughs> what? Oh, wow. You
0: have a pretty good idea of the
1: avatar. When's mm-hmm. prime selling time for an inverter sales guy? Overall, are you talking macro or micro? Yeah, macro, macro. Well, macro is you've got to get in early. Because once the, the system has been specified at the developer level... It's real hard to change the panel or the inverter because that's how they've based the design and that's when the the you know financing and all the other pieces have been in there so you need to be very early in the sales cycle and the ideal time to actually sell the inverter is usually as far as a time of day is usually between like nine o'clock in the morning and two o'clock in the afternoon because you want to get to the design engineer you want to make sure that the procurement is procurement Buys, they don't make the decision. Right. The, the design engineer is the guy who's making the decision. You want to make sure that design engineer has got through his morning meetings, and you want to come in after that fact and then sit down with him. Make sure that you know he understand that you understand, that he has the power to say no and may not have the power to say yes. Mm. So you want to make sure that you, you have got that buy-in from him before you go to the COO or the CFO. And in the large account management process, the design it's, engineer it's, is the... Uh, uh, influencer
0: influencer. That's right. That's right. I was so, going to say, I was going to say champion. And then as soon as you well, influencer, it could, influencer, be, it could be champion, but yeah. the
1: influencer, but you're right. He's the yeah, influencer. He actually influences. So he's more than a champion champion doesn't have the ability to say yes or no or no. Right. Correct. So the champion just wants to get this product or service in because it makes his life easier or it makes there. He has some personal reason why right. it's important. That's right. But the influencer, the, there's nothing worse than being in a room with the CFO, the CEO, and having a great presentation and everybody pumping their fists and shaking hands and saying, this is fantastic. And then you walk out of the room and the grizzly old guy in the back of the room with his arms crossed that he's been there the whole time, who is the you know chief engineer who's been there longer than the CEO and the CFO and the COO combined, says that won't work. And then you go, you know, you're out of the room already. And the CEO's already bought and thought this is the greatest thing since sliced bread. And the old grizzly guy said, yeah, we tried that back in the 70s and that didn't work. So we're not going to do that again. And that's the guy he's going to, you know, take that influence. So he has all the power to say no and zero power to say yes.
0: Mm, That's a great example to end on. Thank you so much for the wealth of
1: information.
0: Hey, people are going to want to figure out how to get in touch with you. And I know that you're hard to find on the internet. So (laughs) uh, besides
1: LinkedIn, what is your Twitter handle? At Sully, S-U-L-L-N-Y. And then 94534 is at Sully, 94534. You can also reach me on email, of course, scott at scottsullivan.biz, B-I-Z, easy to find. And then my website, of course, is scottsullivan.biz. Man, that is fantastic. It's almost like you're reading my note sheet here. You have a remarkable and
0: uncanny memory, as evidenced by our our question pointing to that topic. Well, let's end today, as we always do, with a bold prediction. Scott, what one thing do you see happening in the market that perhaps nobody else is tracking?
1: What do you see in your crystal ball? So I think distributed generation and community solar, when the regulatory environment opens to the point where the utility no longer cares Where the power is generated and how it gets to your neighbor's house. When we have an environment where I can put solar on my house and sell it to you during the day while I'm gone and you're running your air conditioner, and we have storage in the form of either an electric vehicle or energy storage out in the garage that we can use at night. And when the utility doesn't care how that's formatted, then every home will be self sustaining. We will have a lot of zero energy homes because. Now, all of a sudden, every house will have multiple ways that it gets power, whether it's solar thermal, solar PV, storage. But those days are controlled right now by a handful of investor owned utilities that are going to find it very difficult to let go. Old prediction
0: indeed. When that day arrives, we will certainly be talking about it and cheering from the mountaintops here on Suncast. Until then, please show up again next week for another chance to dig into the mind of. The greatest solar leaders in our space. Thank you, Scott, for being on Suncast.
1: Thank you. Like me on Facebook and find me on LinkedIn.
0: <laughs> indeed, indeed. And join his echo chamber. Thanks a lot. And uh, we'll see you back here next week, folks. Really appreciate having you on Suncast and love you for why you show up. That's a wrap on today's conversation, Solar Warriors. And you're now well armed for battle. Hopefully, you'll take away some great tools for your own success. I'd love it if you'd share what you learned or share the episode over on LinkedIn. Let me know what other tools you need. If you want to sharpen the axe a little bit more, I've shared some of the resources we discussed in today's conversation over at mysuncast.com. Just click on the latest episode link in the title bar. Perhaps the best tool in your arsenal might be subscribing to the mailing list while you're there so that you'll get an email from yours truly when new content is available. Have a suggestion for someone you think should join the conversation? Email me, Nico at mysuncast.com, or shoot me a message on LinkedIn. Hey, that's it. Thanks for being here. Until next time, stay informed, my friend, and stay tuned.